0: Hi YouTube, it's Joshua Miles and welcome back to my channel. Today's video is going to be yet another solved case in my Curious Case series. By the time this video goes live, I should actually be at a wedding, so I will try and respond to your comments um, as soon as I'm out of that wedding and as soon as the reception's over and as soon as I have a bit of free time. Don't forget to jump over to my Instagram, follow me over there so that you can take part in the next Community voted case. I'll be running a bunch of polls and taking some suggestions So that we can you know choose a case as a community for this channel. Just before we start I just wanted to give a massive shout out to my good friend Kirsty Skye. Kirsty makes true crime videos over here on YouTube She's been on my channel before and honestly She's one of the most underrated true crime youtubers in my opinion. I couldn't recommend her enough I've left a link to her channel at the top of the description And I encourage you to go over to her channel, hit subscribe, give her some love, and tell her that I sent you. As per usual, I'd just like to point out this video has not been made to cause disrespect or anything like that. It's just been made to spread awareness about this case by compiling information from various different public sources on the internet. Any theories discussed in this video are just that. Theories, they are not fact, and they don't represent the views or opinions of myself, law enforcement, anybody involved, in this case unless otherwise stated and with all that being said let's delve right into this case Sunday the 7th of June 2015 would be a day that would go down in Swedish history as being one of the most tragic days to ever occur in the country Lisa Holm was a 17 year old girl from Hovda who had recently graduated from school and had just started a new job at a cafe in Blomberg I believe is pronounced which was about a 40 minute drive from her home as a celebration for Lisa graduating from her school and getting this new job, her father actually bought her a moped so that she could have some independence and travel to the cafe to work. Lisa was at that stage in life where she was finally becoming an adult, growing up and becoming independent and the world was really her oyster. Lisa and her dad had actually ridden along the route to the cafe for 2 weeks. Her dad had gone with her as she traveled to the cafe and gone with her when, um, she came back from the cafe just so that she could practice and gain some confidence and Sunday the 7th of June 2015 would be the first day that Lisa would complete this 40-minute journey on a moped by herself Which was a huge step for Lisa in becoming an adult and becoming independent Lisa's shift that day was the closing shift So she works through Sunday afternoon laughing and joking around with her colleagues Lisa and her two colleagues then began to close the cafe at around 6.23 p.m. Lisa sent a text to her dad to tell him that she was leaving the cafe and was on the way home. Shortly after Lisa's dad received this text, he actually received a phone call from Lisa, which appeared to be a butt dial. Lisa's dad could hear murmuring voices on this phone call, voices that he believed came from Lisa's coworkers and colleagues. And overall, the tone of the conversation was quite positive and happy and cheerful and there was nothing untoward going on. There was nothing to suggest anything bad or negative was taking place. However, unbeknown to Lisa's father, this would be the last time that he would ever hear his 17-year-old daughter's voice. The journey from the cafe to Lisa's home should have taken around 40 minutes. And when that 40 minutes came and went, Lisa's dad began to grow very worried as any good dad would. Lisa's dad decided to wait a bit longer just in case Lisa had been held up in traffic or she had gone to the store to pick some things up or something like that. But after a while when Lisa still didn't show up her dad's gut instinct kicked in and was telling him that something very bad had happened. He tried to ring Lisa but unfortunately his calls were going straight to voicemail. Nobody was picking the calls Subsequently, Lisa's father decided to get into his car and drive along the route to the cafe where Lisa worked. On this journey, a million thoughts were rushing through his mind. What if Lisa had gotten in some kind of accident on her moped on her journey back from the cafe? Lisa's father was sure to scan at the roads on route to Bloomberg to the cafe, just in case his 17 year old daughter had in fact been involved in some kind of an accident. He scanned all the ditches on the side of the road as he drove past, however, he found nothing but relief Flooded through Lisa's dad when he pulled up to the cafe and saw her moped parked still in the car park. Maybe she was still in the cafe with her colleagues closing up, maybe there'd been some kind of a spillage or a delivery or something like that that they had to stay on longer. Lisa's dad parked his car and started to walk over to the moped just to check it out. Maybe the moped had broken down and Lisa had hitched a ride with a colleague. Maybe her phone had run out of power or they'd gone to a place that was out of. Service. Lisa's dad was trying to find reasonable and rational explanations for all the events that were occurring and the situation he had found himself in He was trying not to worry himself too much. After all, Lisa was almost 18 She was becoming an adult and Lisa's dad was just coming to terms with that and allowing her to flock the nest However, that sense of relief quickly turned to dread when Lisa's dad got to the moped and saw that the keys to the moped were still in the ignition. It would have been very out of character for Lisa to have been so careless in leaving the keys still in the ignition to a moped. Lisa's dad tried ringing her again, but it still was ringing and going through to voicemail, indicating that the phone, like I say, was switched off or had gone out of service or something like that. Lisa's dad then conducted a quick search of the cafe and the surrounding area, looking Felisa However, his searches were to no avail. That was when Lisa's dad decided to phone the authorities and report her as missing The police subsequently launched a preliminary investigation into potential kidnapping And this was largely due to the fact that Lisa's keys had been left in the ignition and hadn't been taken with her That piece of evidence is consistent with somebody who had been taken rather than somebody who had run away When the police arrived on the scene, they immediately began searching the cafe and searched a barn that was actually opposite the cafe using a specialized search dog. However this initial search yielded no results. The police also began knocking on the doors of the nearby houses in the hopes that somebody had seen something but this too was to no avail. Their searches overnight leading into Monday, the 8th of June, 2015 were fruitless. And subsequently, the police issued a statement to the press to say that a teenage girl had gone missing. They didn't reveal Lisa's identity to the press at this point for privacy reasons. Coincidentally, at the same time that the police issued this statement, a vital piece of evidence was actually discovered. Lisa's moped glove had actually been found in the barn opposite the cafe, the same barn that the police had searched the night before and had not found anything. The glove had actually been handed in to the police by the landlord of the Bloomberg's estate who lived in a castle-like manor house just a few hundred meters away Away from the cafe. The glove had been found by farm workers who had gone into the barn that Monday morning to begin their work and they had handed it over to the landlord when they found it who then brought it to the police. This landlord also owns the cafe where Lisa works at as well as this barn. Obviously the chain of custody for this piece of evidence was not reliable and it invalidated any forensic evidence or DNA that could be taken from the glove due to the fact that it had been moved and contaminated by countless people. Just as a quick side note, if you find anything suspicious or anything that could be linked to a crime yourself, do not touch it, especially if there is an open case taking place in your local area. My best advice would be to contact the police using the non-emergency phone number for your country and area or calling the police station locally or their tip-off line. And then the authorities can come and collect the evidence properly, secure it so that all forensics are preserved. If you touch or move the suspicious item in any way, then you could potentially destroy any forensic data or evidence that is on the item. So just don't touch it. This discovery of the glove concreted to the investigators that Lisa had likely fallen victim to foul play and definitely hadn't run away. The investigation was consequently upgraded which allowed the authorities to use all the possible resources available to them in the search for Lisa. Due to more resources being allocated to this investigation, further traces were found that were also linked to Lisa. Just a few hundred meters south of the cafe where she worked, investigators discovered her mobile phone case, a receipt, a ticket, and a crushed mobile phone display. The discoveries were actually made along a local small gravel road, a road that most outsiders wouldn't even notice was there. Lisa's parents actually positively identified these items as belonging to Lisa. Due to the press release that had occurred that same day, tips from the public began pouring in and the police decided to launch a separate investigation team that would investigate parallel to the search efforts. The team would be based in the police station in Horvda and would follow up any leads from these tip-offs as well as conducting further internal investigations. They also began began to monitor Lisa's cell phone traffic to see if it had been used on the day that she went missing when it had been used, if she'd contacted anybody else, and where she might have gone. They used a method called triangulation which is a way of police being able to locate where a mobile phone is or has been according to the cell phone tower logs. Of course, the cell phone towers would only log data when the cell phone pinged it, which would occur every few minutes. Triangulation typically works by using data from three surrounding cell phone towers They look at the data and see how long it takes for the cell phone to respond to requests from the tower And using that they're able to estimate how far away from the tower the device actually is The cell phone tower also logs which sector the device is in Which basically means roughly which direction from the tower the device is The sectors are typically split into three They then use three different cell phone towers, hence the name triangulation, to pinpoint within about a quarter of a square mile where the cell phone is. As you can see by this diagram, the three towers can be used to determine location. Some towers actually also request and log GPS data from the cell phone during these pings, but that does depend on whether or not the phone has locational services turned on. There are also newer technologies and software that networks can use to pinpoint a cell phone even further down to just 50 meters But triangulation is one of the simplest and most basic methods of tracing a mobile device However, authorities were completely unable to locate Lisa's cell phone The last known location of her cell phone was at the cafe Which told investigators that Lisa might have been forced to switch off her cell phone by her capture or by the the person responsible for this or she had been forced to hand over the cell phone so that it could be destroyed by the perpetrator and that second theory was actually backed up by the fact that the Display from the cell phone was found smashed to pieces. It is likely that it was smashed to pieces Soon after Lisa had been captured. This separate investigative team also interviewed Lisa's family friends and the two colleagues that had been working with her on the day she went missing. However, these interviews Interviews were to no avail, they didn't really find any new leads from it. This team then decided to also begin collecting DNA samples from residents in the surrounding area which could then later be used um, in comparisons between DNA potentially found at the scene or DNA found in the surrounding area so they could, you know, try and find somebody who is responsible. The very next day, on Tuesday the 9th of June 2015, more evidence was actually found that is linked to Lisa. Her driver's license was located along with Lisa's set of keys to her house. Despite all this evidence being found, the police were no closer to figuring out where Lisa was or what had happened to her. The Swedish military also aided the investigators in their searches. The search teams emptied manure wells in the surrounding areas, searched and scoured buildings and farmlands and woods in the hopes of finding anything linking to Lisa. Up until this point, Lisa's identity and photo had not actually been released to the press. With the public just aware that a 17-year-old girl had gone missing, but on Wednesday the 10th of June 2015 Lisa's parents along with the authorities agreed that it would be a good idea to release this information to the press And so they did. Upon this press release almost a thousand people flocked from all over Sweden to aid in the search efforts The police also gave the okay to the charity missing people to begin aiding in the search efforts and organizing search parties. The search efforts for Lisa is still to this day the biggest in Swedish history. Now interestingly, the search dogs that had been used in these search parties had actually detected on a second search of the barn human feces on the floor and this was in the same barn where Lisa's moped glove had been found and the investigators believe that the feces actually belong to the person responsible and this was due to the fact that they theorize that the person responsible would have had such a massive adrenaline rush that they would have had to go to the toilet. The police also began to hypothesize that the person and perpetrator responsible would have likely been a local to the area due to the fact that Lisa's items and personal possessions were found along this secluded small gravel road. The investigators attention quickly began to narrow on the barn and forensics teams were brought in to try and obtain as much information and evidence from the barn as possible. One of Lisa's earrings was actually found near the entrance to the barn, which further intensified the authorities interest in this building. The next day on Thursday, the 11th of June, 2015, even more people flocked to aid in the search efforts and this was largely due to the massive coverage in the Swedish press, the newspapers and television. However, despite these massive search efforts, no new evidence was located and nothing new was coming to light. The police then began to speculate that Lisa might have been trafficked out of the country. But on Friday, the 12th of June, 2015, according to some sources, the police actually stormed a house on Martup farm, which was not far from the cafe and they arrested a 25-year-old man that man's wife and his brother Who was this 25 year old man and why had he been arrested? This man was called Nereus. I don't know how you pronounce his last name so I'm just gonna put on the screen. The investigators had actually found evidence at the farm where Nereus was located. The farm itself was about three kilometers away from the cafe. Martrop Farm is also referred to as Martrop Estate in multiple different sources. So I'm not really sure what the official name for it is but for the purpose of this video I will just be calling it March up farm for simplicity's sake. Okay, so this is a map of Blomberg, and I thought it'd be a good idea if I showed you all these locations that I'm talking about, just so that you can get a grasp as to the search area and where everything went down. So this is, like I say, Blomberg, and here is the cafe where Lisa worked, as I've marked, and here is the barn where her glove was found. Now, if we zoom out a bit. Over here is where Marchup Farm and Estate is, which is what I've been talking about just now. And here is the house slash sheds where Narius lives and where he was arrested with his brother and his wife. Now here, if you remember going back earlier in this case, there was a small gravel path or road where a lot of evidence was collected from and it was collected from all along this red line which is marking the small um, gravel road and as you can see this road also veers off and does connect directly to where narius lives so this entire search area is very very suspicious and very very Vital in the search efforts and is very, very interesting to the investigators for reasons I'm sure you can gather. And you can see how they quickly came to the conclusion that Narius had some kind of involvement because of his positioning within this. Uh, search area. Now what sparks the authorities interest in this farm was the fact that Nereus and his brother had actually told a search party that the authorities had already searched the farm and they didn't need to search it and this was despite the fact that the authorities hadn't searched the farm and a member of the search party decided that this was very suspicious and contacted the police. According to some sources, Lisa's jacket and helmet were discovered by the authorities on this farm. And a few hours later, the remains of Lisa Holm were also discovered. Nereus and his brother were immediately arrested on probable grounds of suspected murder. Whereas Nerys' wife was arrested on suspicion of protecting and harbouring a criminal Which is a very serious criminal offence. All three of the suspects were actually Lithuanian and had come to Sweden to work on this farm Which is actually quite a common thing to happen in the area. Lisa's remains were discovered inside a clothes locker in a work shed on this farm Investigators determined that she had been placed there in the locker post-mortem. As you can tell from this image the locker itself is very small, which meant that Lisa had been put in the locker in a very strange position. An autopsy was subsequently carried out on Lisa, and it was determined that her official cause of death was by hanging. Pieces of Lisa's clothes had actually been removed, however, it couldn't be determined whether this had been done prior to her death or post-mortem. The autopsy also determines that Lisa hadn't been sexually assaulted, however, this does not rule out the possibility of a sexually motivated attack or a sexually driven motive. The investigators believed using their evidence that whoever had done this had gotten so aroused by the entire situation um, and by the fact that Lisa was dying in front of them that they got too excited and pleasured themselves as Lisa was dying rather than directly sexually assaulting Lisa. And then after Lisa had unfortunately passed away, they moved her body. Now, interestingly, 13 days before Lisa went missing, a video titled 13 was actually uploaded to YouTube. And in this video, there was an ominous countdown. The channel's name that uploaded this video was Lisa Holm. People online started freaking out that this video had some kind of a connection to the case, and it went viral online on the same day that Lisa's body was discovered. Conspiracies began to circulate saying that this video had been uploaded 13 days prior to Lisa's disappearance and kidnapping Which meant that her kidnapping was premeditated and likely had been carried out by somebody who was pure evil and wanted to play games with the police according to the theorists. However, upon investigation by the authorities, the video was disproven to be connected to the case. It is believed that this video was just a simple regular countdown video that had been Coincidentally uploaded to YouTube 13 days before Lisa's disappearance and then the owner changed the title of the video to 13 after Lisa went missing and then changed the channel name to Lisa Home 2 in some kind of a twisted sick joke. One month after Lisa's body was discovered, a funeral took place in her hometown that was attended by hundreds of people. She was laid to rest by her family and friends in a very moving service. The police and the forensics teams hadn't rested since they had discovered Lisa's remains and had actually discovered a whole heap of evidence in this case, including DNA evidence against Nerius. They found DNA evidence present on pieces of rope that were found in the milk room of the barn. Along with DNA evidence present on 10 pieces of Lisa's clothing, including her pants. DNA was also found all over the crime scene including traces of semen. When this DNA was compared to Nereus, it was a complete match. The investigators also seized Nereus' computer so they could um, search it and see what was on it and they actually discovered a lots of violent adult films on the computer. Nereus was a tall strong adult male who would have found it very easy to overpower Lisa on his own and that further added to the case against him. The younger brother of Nereus and Nereus's wife were both actually released from custody before trial. When the case came to trial, the prosecutors told the courts of how the crime had been sexually motivated. They told the courts of how Nereus had had kidnapped Lisa so that he could sexually assault her and tie her up in some sick, unsafe version of BDSM, almost reenacting the violent adult films that were found on his computer. Further to this, they also accused Nereus of purposefully hanging Lisa from a pipe in the milk room for his own sexual gratification. The gratification that he became so overwhelmed with that he was forced to pleasure himself instead of sexually assaulting Lisa. This explained the semen found in the barn along with DNA found on the ropes and the DNA found on items of Lisa's clothing, all of which matched Nereus. After the facts, Nereus then moved the body and took it to his place of work and put it in a clothes locker in a work shed. And that was all in an attempt to conceal what he had done. Now, interestingly, DNA traces from Nereus's wife were actually found on Lisa's underwear, however, this wasn't as far as I can tell, investigated that far and it couldn't be determined how or why this DNA evidence was on the underwear and there was nothing else to place her at the scene of the crime. Forensics were able to successfully locate strands of Elisa's hair from the crime scene in the milk room. And they also determined that the ropes that were found in the milk room were the same ropes that had been used around her neck. Now strangely, Nerius's defense tried to push the entire blame of this crime onto Nerius's younger brother, claiming that he had planted this DNA in an attempt to frame Nereus. The defense pointed out that Lisa's DNA was not found in Nereus' car, so how could he have transported Lisa's body to his place of work if he hasn't used the car? Because somebody would have seen him moving a girl's body otherwise. The two colleagues that Lisa works with at the cafe also took to the stand to testify. And they testified that they had seen two men matching the description of Neris and Nereus' younger brother, kind of watching them from afar as they worked in the cafe, but they just passed this off to two creepy men. Further to this, another witness actually came forward and took the stand, claiming that a day prior to Lisa's disappearance, a strange man had actually stopped her while she was out for a jog to ask her for some directions. She had then shown this strange man the directions using her phone. And then upon hearing these directions, the man asked her to get into his car and, you know, direct him to the right location education. This gave off really bad vibes to the woman who got this instinctual gut feeling that something wasn't right. So she was like, no thank you, and jogged on and kept running. When this witness saw Nereus in court, she positively and confidently identified him as being the same man that had stopped her the day before Lisa had gone missing. A verdict in the trial was reached on the 17th of November. The judge announced that due to the fact that no DNA evidence of Nerus's younger brother was found at the scene and because of that they couldn't place him at the scene. After all, what had taken place was sadly a very violent crime and it would have been next to impossible for somebody to commit such a crime without leaving DNA evidence. And also at the same time in such a short time frame, Leaving and planting his older brother's evidence at this crime scene You've got to remember that the police did search this barn that same evening that Lisa went missing But not until later on in the night So there was actually quite a small time frame in which the crimes could have occurred Nereus was sentenced to life imprisonment and after his sentence had been served He was also sentenced to be deported back to Lithuania in early 2017 after an appeal Nereus was actually transferred from Sweden to Lithuania to carry out his sentence and as part of this appeal his life sentence was actually reduced to 15 years in a Lithuanian prison. However, later on in 2017 this was changed by the appeals courts in Lithuania back to a full life sentence. I believe a life sentence in Lithuania is an actual life sentence until death with a possibility of a review on the sentence after 25 years have been served. I couldn't actually distinguish whether the brother and the wife were sentenced at all in connection to this case but it wouldn't surprise me if they both received sentencing solely because of their involvement and concealment of the crimes. And that's really everything that I have for you in today's case. Thank you so much for watching this episode in my Curious Case series. Don't forget to subscribe if you want to see some more true crime content and hit that bell icon so you can be notified every single time that I post a brand new true crime video. Hit that like button if you found this video interesting and leave a comment down below telling me what you thought about this case and with all that being said i'll see you in the next case